You're listening to the Thoroughbred Podcast, an elite business leadership podcast. All right, guys. Thank you so much. John Wentworth here, Thoroughbred Podcast. And so many people are asking me, and let me back up. First of all, thank you for the likes. Thank you for the subscriptions. It's been awesome. Thank you for the views and the listens. It's been really cool to see those numbers rack up. And, and it's not about me. It's about sharing these beautiful people that I know. And, uh, and so thank you for that. Today, I'm super, super blessed to bring to you just an amazing man, uh, an amazing parent, uh, an amazing businessman. And that's what this podcast is about. Thoroughbred, the definition besides the racehorse that I love so much. Ryan was asking me this before. What is this about, really? So it's an elite. And, and I just want to point out that he actually called me beautiful. So I just want to make sure you put that in there. <laughs> he is beautiful. And it's getting hot in here now, so I gotta take this jacket off. <laughs> but I'm very excited to bring you Ryan LaFontaine from the LaFontaine Automotive Group, and more importantly from from Faith, Friends, and Family. And uh, that's what Ryan represents. And so welcome, brother. Lovely you. Thank you. I just uh, happy to be here with my brother, obviously, and share obviously this moment. We get to spend every day almost together working out, uh, so it's obviously fitting for us to sit here and do a podcast together. So I love it. Well, I love the working out part because I got to back up and just thank you for that. You know, because so many times Ryan's been, you should come to the gym. You should come to the gym, and I'm like, yeah, I know, but well, you know, it's it's hard because until you get in that rhythm, you always have the ex- that excuse. Okay, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Well, that's when you have to sit here and do it like we do, 6 a.m. We're not busy at 6 a.m. Kids I, aren't up yet, yeah, so I could never you got no do excuse. It. If I didn't go at 6 a.m., I could never do no, it. So no. thank this... you for welcoming me to the 6 a.m. club. Hey. <laughs> and we have a ball, and more importantly, you know, we're just trying to get healthy to live longer and uh, put on a bikini. You got to gotta live healthy, man. And I've learned that, obviously, being a cancer survivor. You got to have that balance. Got to have something that takes the stress away. So that hour of just kind of alone time that we can sit here and just uh, focus on that takes away all the stress. Man, oh, awesome. we have a lot of fun too. Yes, but you mentioned the C word, so let's just jump in right there because that's certainly something we're going to talk about today. Is you know Ryan is very passionate about cancer and passionate in a way for because he's he's experienced it in mm-hmm. his life. Uh, he's beaten cancer and also he does some tremendous fundraising for cancer. So tell us a little bit about first your experience with cancer and then you know the work that you're doing behind the scenes. Uh, to, to really raise cancer and try to come up with a cure. Sure. So it's it's something that, you know, we all live in that bubble, right? So at 30 years old, working every day, never missing a day of work for being sick, you kind of feel like you're invincible, right? Everything's going well. You're succeeding. My family was getting started. And then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you, you have a lump on your neck and you kind of have to figure it out from there. And in my case, uh, it was cancer. Um, it was definitely one of the most emotional years of my life uh, to sit here and go from that health state to building a, our biggest store in Highland was under construction. We were two months away from being completed to obviously all of a sudden uh, I'm at dinner with my parents, feel the lump. And then all of a sudden I go into the doctors and, and, and discovering uh, not the first time, first time they actually misdiagnosed me and actually said it wasn't anything to worry about. Uh, luckily I went back and a physician assistant actually uh, pushed it further and did some scans. Uh, thought I was walking pneumonia at first uh, and then really pushed me into a CT scan. Did you feel so. like, I always wonder this because the first time I heard your story, I didn't recall the, the moment that they missed it the yeah. first time that the second, third, fourth time, you know, that I heard it, I, I heard that. Yeah. And uh, d- did you ever have a feeling during that time? And this is something I've never asked, but did you ever have a feeling during that time um, when they said you didn't, that you still, something wasn't right. So, you know, I was coughing a ton at the time, you know, and we were under construction. So I was working 
working crazy hours. My life was not in balance, and I think what that's What are important. crazy hours? So I was working till 1, 2 in the morning. I was back there, obviously, in the morning around 7, 30, 8 o'clock, depending on the day. Uh, really determined uh, and over-determined in regards to committing to success. And I, and I think that that's why I got cancers, because my life wasn't you in balance. You were run down. I didn't have my focus on faith, family, friends. It was all about career and, and really being successful. So uh, What drove you to that, do you think? Because there's a word on my, on my mind that I want to use because, you know, I, I feel like sometimes when we get into this position of success, whatever that looks like mm -hmm. for people, they start to look at, at people in those positions. I call it the finished product syndrome. So like they say, oh, well, yeah, look at him on the billboard or look at him sure. selling cars. He, it's so easy right but entitlement mm -hmm. right because you you came from a place where you know you were blessed i would say mm -hmm. to you know to have the opportunity to grow that business so so that that drive did that come out of that you were fighting maybe that in uh, of course it did. I mean, my parents, what everyone doesn't know is, I mean, they really are, uh, my dad had their total of seven brothers, right? My mom had a total of seven in their family, and they really came from nothing, right? Uh, just hard work, school of hard knocks, um, and really growing up. And my dad started selling cars, uh, Volkswagens in 1966, worked his way to be a part owner, and then bought his own first store. So I think his humble approach and my mom's humble approach helped balance this. But what I felt in growing up is a lot of people just assuming, making that right. assumption. Because that, of the name, yeah, that you're, you're going to have that, have that it given to you. silver spoon type approach, right? You're spoiled, right? You're entitled. Uh, so that really was was something ingrained that I'll never want to be that way, and I never want anyone to think that what I've achieved has been just a handout and has been easy. Uh, I, I've been blessed. I mean, my parents flat out gave me a great opportunity, right? And I thank them every single day. I'm very grateful to have them with me today. Uh, they're still obviously active in the business, uh, so, so I'm super tight with my family, but. It, it, that humble approach. My, my dad could sit here and be really do whatever he wants, right? He could kind of go have his own office wherever he wants, oversee the kingdom, whatever he wants to do. And he's there every day. He's there every day. He sits in a double wide used car trailer and he's still to this day upset they upgraded from a single wide. So <laughs> you don't see him in, a, in going to all these different high end places. He likes to go to the local uh, restaurant for us. It'd be like a corner bar right down the road. And he likes just being real with people. Yeah. So he's, he's his example each and every day to stay humble through success, uh, has kind of taught me the, that that factor of how to stay balanced. And then my mom was giving back, how important it is to sit here and when you're successful in life and when God blesses you in life, to make sure you pay it forward. And she really started our grassroots marketing division in the company and, and getting involved in every community that we were uh, were involved in where we live. We have businesses. So so that, but, but you know, when I was out of college i mean i was 21 i was young when i got my first opportunity in management uh, i started selling cars when i was 15 so at 21 i'm the youngest so guy you're, in the you're store. walking in yeah. and these guys are like here we go yep. right and la fontaine's gonna come in and tell us how to do it and, exactly and, and, and doesn't know but because he's la fontaine he just gets mm -hmm. to be the manager. So I didn't know any better. The only thing I could figure out in my head is how I could overcome that uh, perception I'll is outwork them. Outwork them. So that was my goal is to sit here and work my tail off as hard as I can. So if they stayed till 10, which probably not many did, you were there till one. That was the case. And it was strange because uh, I was very determined. I'm a very passionate person. I, I run this company with my heart. Uh, but it was a week or two into the job. I sat down with our zone manager. And our zone manager is someone that works for the manufacturer that kind of helps and guides. They uh, help you with ordering cars or, or objectives or new incentives or whatever's going on that they're kind of our partner. And I'm sitting down with our zone manager. And I'm, I'm all young, excited, aggressive. I, I asked him. I said, hey, 
how can I be number one in the nation? And I, you know, I was real passionate. I'm all excited, like a kid in a candy store. Right. And he started laughing at me. And he literally, I can still see his face there right in front of me. And, and, and he, what he said was this, Ryan, you need to aim your sights lower. You'll never be number one in the nation out of Highland, Michigan. And that's something that was ingrained in me that day is a passion and determination to prove him wrong. So how long did it take to fire him? So <laughs> he, he eventually wasn't our zone manager, not by my doing, just because they moved those guys around. But it took me 10 years to become number one in the nation at that Highland store. Um, but I think that obsession or that determination uh, and, and really wanting to prove myself that I, I've earned what I've gotten as opposed to just been given it, uh, even though I'm thankful for the opportunity every each and every day. Well, not only, uh, I mean, not only have cancer. you earned it, you've taken it to, I mean, you've soared it with sure. the help of many people, right? Sure. I mean, you've soared it to amazingly high levels that it wouldn't be at without your involvement. So yeah. I think that's something that you embrace was like, okay, watch me now. In yeah. fact, you know, people around the office say that, you know, when, when, when somebody tells me I can't do something, well then watch me do it. Yeah. Right. And, and that's just our mentality, but I love the humble part of it because I think, you know, our circle of friends, the, you know, the people that you, that you become tight with in your life, you know, we have a big circle, mm -hmm. but then we have a very tight circle. Mm -hmm. At least I do. Yeah. And, and it comes from, you know, I, I, usually success is around success, but with our circle, it's more like, who's humble, who's giving, who's caring, who's loving, who's just a lover of people. Mm -hmm. And that's kind yeah, of more and I think I think if you look at our core, right, the ones that you trust, one thousand percent through and through. That you know, my dad had a at my wedding when I when when he and I got married, he called it a, his theory of five. He said if you have five people at the end of your life that you can say were true friends, true friends, then you're very blessed because there's a lot of friends. Oh yeah, but there's very few true friends. And when you look at our core of friends that we have, uh, they're passionate people. Yeah. They care. They genuinely want to give back, and you can trust them with your life. And that's that's the true statement in regards to how we have to go about it. You know, one of the things we were going to talk about is how we met, and and the funny because people ask me all that time, yeah. how, how did you meet Ryan? And the funny thing is, I didn't know him that well. I listed a, a piece of property for him, but still didn't know him that well. Then got involved in the in the church through a men's retreat that we did, and I just had this calling, literally, to reach out to yeah. Ryan, which was kind of. I don't want to say intimidating, but we didn't have a relationship no. where I could just say, hey, Ryan, come to this. I think it was like the second time I really talked to you yeah. after listing, and it was one of those aspects that uh, I first said no. And then and the secondly said no. And then the last day, <laughs> I think it was like three days before Chirp, our, our men's retreat, that literally I said, I'm in. And you scrambled and made it happen. And I will tell you, uh, you don't even, you're thanking me for the workout aspect. You don't understand what that weekend did for me in changing my life in regards to regrounding me on what's important in regards to faith, family, friends. Uh, and you look at it, your friendship, uh, Ronnie Metawire, who's one of our closest friends. A lot of friends, them have come out of that. Uh, I met Ronnie that day. Yep. So you look at our core and you are you know, the people you surround yourself with. So I do firmly believe you need to surround yourself with people that with high, uh, obviously, character and high, high, high moral standards. And I think that's also something that's very important because we all lift each other up. And I think that's why we thrive so much. Well, and the fun, another funny thing for me is I always believe like, you know, and maybe that's my own thinking, but I always feel like we live in a society where people generally want things sure. from us, right? And they generally want things from somebody at a high level. Yeah. And and I, so I remember actually when I wrote you that letter, you know, how we do the letters, I'm like, oh, look, yeah. I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. Um, but I want you to know that I'm a true, I don't remember exactly what yeah. I said, but it was just basically I saying. I still have the letter this day. Yeah. I don't want anything. I'm just trying to help because the Lord put it on my heart to 
call you here. Yeah. So and that's those signs that God gives us. You know. Yeah. They're there every day. Was, a lot of times we just don't listen to them. So in that case, I'm very grateful you did because again, it changed my life. Okay, I'll, I'll take ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, uh, you know, business obviously is business. Sure. You guys have an amazing business. I, you know, I've been blessed to be involved in a lot of the things that you do from a fundraising effort yeah. side. Tell us a little bit about the fundraising uh, for You Can Survive, which is just you know, it's a magnificent. Uh, foundation and doing a lot of great things. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we started talking earlier about the cancer scenario. So it's been 10 years. This year actually marks my 10 year anniversary wow, for being cancer free. So thank you. Um, and you look at that uh, a year after my treatments uh, ended, really actually not even a year. Well, we, my last treatment was the uh, day before Halloween back in 2008. And you look at that uh, springtime right around right now uh the year after so it would have been 2009 i was approached by a personal friend that said hey have you ever heard of this man and woman of the year for leukemia lymphoma society program have you ever heard about this program i said no i've never heard about it. shit we gotta do a meeting i gotta do a meeting so we did and we learned that day what it was and i remember distinctly it was a commitment of 10 weeks a 10-week commitment you fundraise and you if whoever uh, raised the most funds in that time period uh can be obviously the winner so i remember walking out of that meeting like man i'm so busy i i'm running all these dealerships we've grown i, I have a family i have kids when am i gonna find time and i remember asking my sister kelly can we do this she goes ryan how can we not right and that started really our passion kelly seems to kelly seems to kind of be that she doesn't have to push hard on you she can and just kind of pinch you a little yep. and and die and dial you in i trust her she's one of my best friends so you look at that standpoint kelly is his sister by yes. the way so i'm very blessed we're very close uh we you know I, she's my partner in business uh my right my left arm obviously in that regard so she does she she kind of guides me right like a sister can and and i'm grateful for that and you look back so we we committed uh mentally it wasn't something there was no contracts or no nothing we but we set a goal for ourselves i'm a firm believer writing things down so we literally set a goal was a lofty goal mind you at that point we've never really fundraised we've done smaller things inside the dealership of course sponsored everything but personally we've never done it that let, intimately let me jump in real quick yeah. because i'll forget if i don't i certainly don't want to interrupt this story so chris will dial us back in if need be but you know when i hear the word goals right it's something that always triggers me because everybody talks about goals mm -hmm. and this is an elite business podcast yeah how why is it in your belief, some people achieve goals, pretty much almost all of the goals they set, mm -hmm. and a lot of other people just talk about goals. What do you think is behind that? So, again, when you actually commit to something as a goal. That's the word. Yeah. Boom. It, it's, it, you're making that, and you're, you're for me, writing it down, it never leaves my actual pad of paper till I've achieved it. And it comes to our passion and determination. So if you commit to something and you're making that as, as your goal, you're going you're gonna to thrive for that. And you're going to sit here and put all the effort into I mean, everything you do in life is hard work. I'm sorry, running a charity, it's another full-time job. Everything is hard work, but if you want to succeed, you have to be able to put the work ethic in and, and efforts in and commit to obviously what that goal is. And by, I like to, I don't like to sit here and come up with unrealistic goals, but I like to come up with goals that are challenging. Set them high. So, I mean, mind you, we haven't raised a dollar yet, and our goal we set for ourselves, we set a goal that we're going to net raise a million dollars for leukemia lymphoma. No lymphoma big deal. Cell. A million dollars. Yeah. No, that, you know, exactly. <laughs> we didn't know how many years it'd take us. Right. Uh, but we were blessed to sit here, and after the first year, we, we literally in five years raised a Leukemia Lymphoma Society uh, a, a million dollars. And all of those, we have 10 research grants going on at Mott's Children's Hospital. Um, all Most of them are heavily focused on children's cancer um, in, in 
in all regards because we don't just focus on the cancer I had. We focus on cancers that we can raise a cure rate on because my, my cancer had an 86% cure rate. So a lot of unselfish people before me did that. They raise a cure rate. So we want to pay that forward and raise cure rates for all cancers. So we really get with all the doctors, like in that case, Dr. Yannick, and, and they're researchers, and they tell us, so the experts, they right. can tell us where we can make the biggest difference. So we do just that. Well, and this is all in Michigan, right? All oh, yeah. of the funds stay in Michigan, which I think is awesome. I mean, you know, it, I, I always like the idea of going really deep into something instead of spreading yourself so thin, right? Mm-hmm. Because then that million dollars and beyond is so much more impactful sure. in in our, you know, in and, our society. And normally society, you area. don't you can't control that in look in this particular program that we were in. Um, but we uh, first year, so we broke all records for fundraising for the man and uh, woman of the year program. Uh, we net raised, I think it was 200, uh, it was either, I think it was $228,000 that year. The first year we did. I it. like how you do that. Thousand. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, it is a lot but you look at that standpoint, you, we realized, you know, every time we raise this money, it, it made us feel like we're beating this disease one more time. So we looked at saying, you know, there's way too many people. I mean, everyone's impacted by the world of cancer, no doubt. whether it be individually or someone they know. So we sit here and committed to that. And what we learned, learned a lot in those first five years. And Leukemia Lymphoma Society is an amazing organization. But what we learned is obviously we wanted to break off and really create our own uh, 501c3, our own charity. And so, that's something new since what year? So we actually just got that formed here two years ago. Because yeah. it takes a while. It's a commitment. Again, this is a full-time job. Mind you, I'm running 21 dealerships with 1,300 employees. I got five kids and a beautiful wife at home. So it's not like we don't have a lot going on. But again, <laughs> I said it. Just a normal day. Yeah. I said it. If you if you're blessed in life, I feel that you're obligated to. I pay that forward and find the time. So for us, it's not an option not to do it. Even though I can come up with every excuse because I'm sure. very busy, sure. we need to do this. And now our new goal is that we net raise a million dollars a year. And what makes our charity very unique, okay, is one obviously we keep it all here in Michigan. We have amazing hospitals in Michigan. Yeah. So we have stuff going on right now over, like we said, Mott's Children's Hospital, obviously uh, in Ann Arbor, Detroit's Children's Hospital, Beaumont. Uh, we've been talking with Sparrow and. and a couple other different obviously hospitals locally around here and saying we want to create partnerships that aren't just one way right it's not just about us giving the money right we want it to be a scenario where we have a true intimacy where we know the doctors we trust the doctors we trust the researchers we know what their plan is again we have a very uh, a blessing to sit here and be able to, to use um, our stage and all our people we know and everyone we love, that love us and we care about to sit here and help raise a lot of funds they're the experts that can sit here and go do something with it but I, I feel obligated to all, everyone that donates a dollar whether it be a dollar whether it be you know fifty dollars I, I owe it to them that I all those dollars go directly to what they want it to be right. and uh, the problem with most charities 40 to 60 percent of every dollar raised admin yeah admin, admin and salaries and overhead so we we don't have any so every 100% of all the profits that are raised go directly to the researchers. And we sit down and we talk to these head doctors that run these entire hospitals and say, okay, what research grant is very close to really having a big, huge impact? Because the top 2% of research grants uh, nationally uh, that hit the top two, they'll get the big fundings. They'll get the millions and millions of dollars. But there's these ones that sit at the uh, at three percent, four percent, five percent, all the way to ten, that aren't getting enough money to get to that top tier. They just need more support. Right. So we're really trying to target the actual ones that can sit here and get to that next level. So our 
100,000, 200,000, 300,000 we're donating becomes millions of dollars. Right. And that's how we raise a cure rate. So it's amazing. It's amazing to have so many people that rally behind us, you included, that sit here and give back. We have our event coming up on June 4th, uh, but we're not going to quit. Again, a million dollars a year. Uh, we need to get rid of cancer, period. Uh, it, it kills me when I see someone that's affected by by cancer. Well, we see it all the time, and we just we so we see it locally all the time. We just saw it again recently, and so it is definitely. I mean, it's 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 uh, you know, it's one of those things. The more you're aware of it, the more you see it, but yep. then the more passionate you can become about doing something about it. Yeah, and it, it like I said, everyone's like, well, some some people they don't have the money or means to don't donate. Well, fine, come come, come volunteer. Hang out. Yeah, come hang out. Hey, spread the post. Do whatever you can. Yep. We all can do something, uh, and I feel if we do, that's how we, we create cure. Don't you feel like, and this goes back to business, people sometimes feel like they have to do so much to have an impact, yeah. and you don't. I mean, I'll, I'll just a you know a, a little, well, it goes back yeah. to throwing a little stone in a lake. You know, there's a ripple, and you know, one person could share a post that thinks it's not going to make a big difference, and then... 20 more people share it because of that share. Yep. And so it definitely can go a long way. I always am uh, shocked when people say, oh, I'll meet someone and say, oh, I see, I watch your Facebook stuff all the time and I have no idea yeah. that they even were watching sure. it. You know, some people comment, some don't. And then some people just watch and don't say anything and then talk to you in the store. And that that's what it is. Like I said, it, it's not, you don't have to think about lofty goals. Sometimes when you start thinking about, oh, I want to raise a million dollars, uh, you start saying, well, I'm never going to achieve it. It's too big. It's too too lofty. Well, that, you have to set steps. You have to start just taking steps for little bites. And, you know, that's my goal, but I, I'm not going to do that day one, and it's okay. And if you, as long as you keep on putting one foot forward and keep on making steps, that's what's about. So whether it's volunteering, whether it's sharing a post, well, whether think, it be I think this donate. goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, which, which is, for me, something that I've always embraced is I'm never thinking about the outcome, right? Sure. I'm never thinking about the million dollars i'm i'm attached to the process yep. that i know will get me there well you have to put your heart and passion into it and you have to be genuine right a genuine uh, across the board and people like to be uh inspired by that and relate obviously on what's going on so i think that's what one of your keys and one of my keys well, when we talk about goals and commitments yeah. right to me like goals are great but if you can't if you can't create a commitment behind that goal then the goal you're never going to achieve no. it. It's really the commitment behind the goal. The goal is the shiny object. The commitment is the grind. Yeah. And that's kind of detaching from the, from the outcome and attaching yourself to the process, mm -hmm. doing the shit every day that is hard, yeah. that is difficult, You know, working the hours that you're working and, and, and still being a, a father and, mm -hmm. a, and a husband. Uh, that's, that's the stuff that is the grind. You know, well, the, and you learn. If you set a process or you're, write it down, list it, you you then can chip away at like you said and enforce that process. But if you don't have it written down, it's just air. I mean, you're saying it's a statement. It's a statement, and, and that's I think even in business. So it's clearly that is needed with with a charity, which and then also in life, then also in business. I actually work so now I try everything I can to be home between six and seven o'clock. That's my goal each and every day. I stop working Saturdays. Yet I'm more efficient yes. and more effective now. And I mind you, and not every night's perfect. I'm there many nights later than that but i try that's my goal right because i owe it to my kids and i owe it to my wife for that well but that's like talking about people always say there's not enough time in the day yeah. and you know it's like you know i mean come on so it, you know august 11th last year when i when i took my hiatus from drinking mm -hmm. and then got into the gym all of a sudden by starting my day at six there was more, more time. time and then 
even then when I thought I was really utilizing my time well, when Remax gave me 48 hours to get out, mm-hmm. boy, I found even a lot more exactly. time in a day. And so, you know, you draw on those experiences and you realize, you know, this is, this is something that we hear throughout our society. Not enough time in the day, not enough time sure. in the day, uh, because we're not spending it where we need to spend it. And when you start to, to, to make those commitments and write out your mm-hmm. day, like it, it's amazing how much more time in a day Because it, it provides clarity, but not just for you. And in in is properly communicating. If you surround, it's all about people. When you surround yourself with good people, obviously you'll you'll succeed in life. But they also need to know where you're going. If you give them, hey, here's what it is. You're not being clear, then they can't be successful. So I believe why I know why I can actually get more done in a day is is it's okay to delegate. It's okay to sit here and say I need help. But you have to make sure they understand the vision, and it's not just a what if. It's not oh I want to go here. You're not telling them how to do it. You need to sit here and define exactly what you want to do, how you're going to get there, and then give them the roadmap, and then let them run. And and with having 1,300 employees, that's how we can get it done in a day. We all can't do it ourselves. We can't right. get everything done. We're one person. Regardless of how many hours we work in a day, we're one person. But we can sit here and get other great people that can sit here and work with us and accomplish our goals. How yep. do you, because you know, you're, we're kind of talking inside of that, there's a little bit of I try not to micromanage is sure. what I heard. And I struggle with that a little bit. And, and, and I think it's because, and maybe the same for you, it's because I've done every step of what is now in existence inside of our company. And so I do struggle with that a little bit. And so I'm asking you for advice. How do I manage that? And then I'll share inside of this that, you know, when, when Remax gave us 48 hours, I didn't have time to micromanage yet. Everything worked out. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that if you're doing your job and you're teaching and coaching and mentoring below my dad's famous phrase is you're only as good as your replacement. took me a lot of years to figure that out. And what he's meaning is if you want to advance and you truly are doing your job, then you naturally, you will have the people below you that are ready for your position because you've taught and coached and trained. Holding accountability is a lot different than, than micromanaging. micromanaging. You need to you have a defined process and you need to hold them accountable. And I think at a young career, I struggle with that because I want to be everyone's friends. I uh, still do. Yeah. <laughs> well, we all do. But it's it, it, you don't have to sit here and be a tyrant. You don't have to sit here and be a screamer or a yeller. But then you know, here's my what I call my non-negotiables. This is what I need done. There's no negotiating on these factors, right? Other than that, you can run it how you want to do because I'm not going to tell you 100 things to do. I'm going to give you these five. But these I expect each and every day. Done and done well. And if they don't do that, then they're the wrong person. And if they do do that, then they do get more freedom on all the other aspects. And it took me a while because I will tell you in that period of my life that I was out of balance when I was working all those hours, I wouldn't delegate. I, I do it all myself. So the problem was there's a problem. Everyone gave it to me. Why do you think I worked till 1, 2 in the morning? Right, because exactly. I was doing everyone else's job too. And I was running as hard as I can. I'm going to get it done. No problem. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I wouldn't say no. And you have to be willing to sit here and be that that passion, that heart, that integrity. But you also have to have people that will help support you because otherwise they're taking advantage of you. Really, they're dumping their workload on you. We're all here to do a job, obviously, in, in whether it be in life or obviously in, in work. Everyone's got to pull their weight. And everyone's got to be inspired to do that. And I found... When, and my mom always said, don't get glued to your desk, meaning you, you can't sit here and try to be the guy that does it all. You have to be willing to be mobile. You have to be willing to do things. And if in that statement, when I did, I found people below me that weren't, I was wondering whether they could get the job done or do the job, thrive. Because now they could sit here and finally have the uh, freedom to sit here and take and put their own stamp on things. Yes, they were doing the things that, that were non-negotiable to me, 
but they were they were becoming stronger and better and, and that's why we're successful today is because they have the opportunity to be themselves in even in a corporate setting well and you know my my good friend todd warda um, kind of through this, sent me a, uh, a Bible verse, and it's 2 Corinthians, um, and it says, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Yeah. Bountiful. That's a tough word to say. I need a drink of water. Yeah. You want to help it's me with right it? There. You want to help me with it? Bountifully. Uh, bountifully. <laughs> so let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for God's love as cheerful giver. So it, that was kind of, he was saying to me, you know, we got you. Don't yep. worry about it. Don't it's micromanage. It let us do our thing. And again, yeah, there's not enough time in a day to micromanage everything. We're all busy. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's doing this. There's only so much. You have to guide, Do you teach. text and drive? I try not to, but okay, the truth answer. of the factor is I do, but I do try to do as much voice texting as I can, but it's hard. I got to share with the audience, the listeners, and Ryan doesn't know this yet, but he's maybe <laughs> catching it. So his Siri has been going, and this is how Ryan, and I mean, Ryan goes, right? And he's a talker. He goes, 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 goes. So do I. I just don't know if it's at that level, but you know how your iPhone will pick up when you're That's talking hilarious. and now he's seeing it. His his iPhone Siri is dictating. Siri has got the entire conversation. She's we've dictating been doing. the entire conversation. That's hilarious. And you know that when you stop, when there's a pause, she stops. Well, there hasn't been a pause, uh -huh. so she's just continually going and going recording. And going. So finished product syndrome. Have you ever heard me talk about that before? I I don't think so. I don't know. It's just something that I always came up with because you know you, you, people again they see somebody that's done something and they forget about all the work that went in sure. behind it. You referenced it earlier in a conversation. Yeah, exactly. And and so it's like it it, it um, it's one of those things where I think especially the youth, right? Mm -hmm. The youth see somebody um, in a position of success. Mm -hmm regardless of what that looks like to whoever it looks like. But they see that in a position of success and they think, oh, I'm just going to go do that. Sure. How do we help people? How do we help our children, right? Sure. Our children. Maybe there's a good one. I've got a night and well, Christian's going to be 19 soon. Yeah. It's difficult. What I, from what I see, it's difficult because there's so much available to them and mm -hmm. they're seeing so much more than we ever did. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. Sure. How do we as parents kind of help cultivate and guide that to, to realize, yes, you can achieve your dreams, mm -hmm. but it isn't all easy. Uh, it goes back to entitlement, right? We talked about that earlier. So it, it, no one's entitled. No one deserves anything. You have to sit here and take the blessings that God gives you and run with them. And whether it be, if you look at successful people, right, they've spent hours and hours and years of their life and, and passion, hard sweat, and gave up tons of sacrifices to get there, right? But also people that aren't, haven't been successful have done the same. I learned at Chirp that when we went to obviously that retreat, right, I think one of the best things I learned was you can never judge a book by its cover. Oh, for sure. No one knows what your story was. No one knows what adversity you've gone through. What I learned is the people that I thought had that cake life, had this, are the ones that, man, they surprised me with all the adversity they faced and the heartache they've gone through and the hard work they've gotten to get there. So it, we have to realize that we all put our pants on the same way and we all are just need to stay humble and be there for each other and help lift each other up. And, and really, uh, I always looked at it like when I was younger, I, I looked at the dealership and I saw that sign, La Fontaine, right? And I didn't look at that as my last name. And, and maybe it sounds strange, but I literally looked at it saying, that's my parents. My parents have earned that. I haven't yet. I'm 21 years old. I haven't earned anything yet, and I have to sit here and make my mark and try to grow it. I love, I always, you know, people, when they, people talk about, um, you know, the word earn, that's a great word to me. Yep. The, what, what, the word that is 
bullshit. And yes, I swore uh, it's a podcast after all, <laughs> um, but it's bullshit. You know, people say I deserve, yeah. and you know, I don't believe anyone deserves anything other than God's grace and mercy. Uh, but when people say, "Well, I, you know, I work so hard, I deserve it," no, that's the result of doing the hard yeah. work. You know, but. But to earn something is very different. So I love that you use that word. Well, and we have to, you know, in my case, I mean, you look at I'm second generation, right? My parents started the dealership originally. When I got out of college, we had two dealerships. I, I've grown it with great people. And how my many parents, are there now? 21 dealerships. Two we to had, 21. So, and that's in the last 19 years. So you look at that standpoint, we've grown fast. Uh, I actually, I was, we just bought a dealership here last month in Clinton. And I was sitting down and my HR director said, hey, Ryan, I just want to let you know, this is my 10th dealership that I've been part of the closing, of the buying of it, right? I said, that's awesome. He goes, no, no, you don't get it. I've only worked for you for five years. <laughs> so we've grown a lot, uh, but it's that same lessons that we learned along the way that we have to earn it each and every day. And in my case, I, I'm a humble servant. I'm a humble leader. I, I'm, there's no ego with me. There is no, obviously, uh, uh, anything malice inside me. I want to sit here and work hard each and every day, do the grind, help support and surround myself with as many good people as possible. And that's not just in business. That's, that's in, in life. life. And sometimes you have to make tough decisions and, and, and maybe distance yourself from some people that uh, aren't helping you be a better person. Some people help you be a bad person instead of helping you be a good person. A good person. And we all need to support each other and help each other. Well, that's our circle, right? I yep. mean, that's that's what we talk about, allowing people into our circle. You know, I'm big on this thing right now and, and maybe some people maybe would take this the wrong way, but it's important for me because it's important for my yeah. family. There's only two types of people I want in my life, so, you know, and, and really one of them sounds a little bit maybe almost selfish yeah. and maybe it is a little bit, but the truth is I, I don't want anyone in my life that I can't positively impact or that they cannot positively impact mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, Hey, I need to be around people that have money. I need to be around people that care yes. and love me enough to correct me and people that care and love me enough to guide me and coach me. And I also am very passionate about being able to do that for other people. Yeah. And, and if I have someone in my life that is stubborn and unwilling to listen and, and just, you know, knows it all, then I really don't want to invest my time in them anymore because I know there's 10 others that are willing yeah. to accept it. And that's, it's so true. I mean, every aspect you look at, and when you look at money, it's a means, right? It, it provides obviously opportunities. I live my whole life with no money. So to me, money means I mean, it's nice. It gives us choices and opportunities. But in the end of the day, you know, I mean, literally, I'm 40. How old am I, Chris? 45? I'm only 40. I want to point that out. <laughs> a lot older than me. Yeah, I'm a lot older. I don't know. I'm 45 or 46. So I was born in 72, so somebody else can do the math. But five years it doesn't even matter. After 40, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I never had any money at all mm -hmm. until I was probably 38. Sure. So, you know, it's like... The money doesn't define us. Well, you look at it. I mean, at the end of the day, to be rich in life isn't being rich in money. It's being rich in faith, family, friends. That's what matters, right? When you have that, when you're doing the right things, when you're being positive, when you're doing what God wants you to do, uh, everything else falls into play. Whether that be a money thing or whether it not be a money thing, it's it's just your life gets in balance and you start going in the right direction, whichever that path may be that God wants you to be on. So you can't get lost in that. And, and success to me isn't money. 
I don't buy dealerships for money. I do it because I love watching. Like I have a story that I, literally a sale guy that was a sales consultant for me literally about seven years ago is now a general manager of the yeah, store we just that's bought. That's awesome. And you should see him. I went to that store. He's only been there for five weeks. We bought it five weeks ago. And mind you, great, good-looking buildings, but there was junk everywhere. The lot looked horrible. There was no cars. I mean, it was just disorganized. Five weeks later, you go there. I mean, you think this store's been open for the last 20 years. Awesome. He's holding himself proud. He's just so excited. I love doing that for people. I love seeing someone that's passionate. I was looking at, in, at this aspect. They have to have passion. They have to have heart. They have to have work ethic. They have to have integrity or trust, right? That's 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 the key. You can teach everything else. I agree. You can't teach those things. We, we, and I surround myself with those people. Most 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 real estate firms go after producers. Like I want to go after the big producer. But for me, they have always got to be a culture fit. Right. You know, I can teach someone how to sure. sell real estate. In sure. fact, if they've never done it, I can teach them how to do it the correct way, rather than trying to help someone break bad habits, which I'm, I'm happy to do as well. But I don't look for producers. I look for people that are humble, hungry, and honest. And, and if a producer has those aspects, sure, that's great. If a producer great. has them, then we then we welcome them and we embrace them and we help them really understand. Okay, yes, I'm doing good, but how do I make this ultra sure. sustainable? But you also, I, I, I'm really firm on this. You have to define, and only you can do it, you have to define your non-negotiables. For me, what I just listed are my non-negotiables. I had a tough decision to make literally last week. One of my top talents, great used car guy, great, up and coming. I promised him to become a general manager of uh, our Okemos store that's coming. All those aspects, he broke my trust. And, and not just broke it, he broke it. And, and that ended it. Right. That ended every aspect that day. For me, that's my non-negotiable. If I can't trust you, then that's not who I need it in my circle, right? Trust yes. for me is everything. If they don't, or have, in your business, if they don't have heart, they don't have passion, they don't have integrity, and they don't care, like you know, obviously those are tied together. Then, then they're not going to sit here and represent me and what we, our family deal, and our customers, right? And I have had interviews with guys that can sell 40, 50 cars a month. And I've some of them are not hired because right. they don't share those characteristics. And again, that doesn't make me right or wrong. That just is who just I want. just don't work for you. That's exactly. There's many people they can work for. It's just not what I want. I want to be proud and have people I enjoy being with to help lift me up to be better. And I can help them lift them up to be better too. Amen. Amen. So tell us about our mornings. Like, I know we start our day at 6 a.m., but we've only got a few minutes left, and I want to have a little fun. Sure. Because I got to tell you, we have a ball in the gym, and uh, our trainer, Ken Hill, shout out to Ken. We have a ball beating up on him and oh, yeah. him beating up on us. But He's what's probably your... texting someone right now. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. During our workout, he basically texts people yeah, all day long. he loves long. to be on his phone. Or he goes on YouTube, and he figures out what to do next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sit here and talk about it, socializing. He always kids around, but yet he's talking to everyone the whole time. But it's fun. <laughs> no, just kidding. He's a great trainer, but we do have a lot of fun in the morning. But it's, 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 uh, we go there for the grind. I mean, you get there, as we know, we get there usually about 10, 15 minutes early. So we're there about 5 45. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I get there about 10, hey, 15 hey, minutes hey, early. Hey, calm down. Last week I was early. This week I wasn't. I haven't been to bed before midnight. So, hey, we did our best. <laughs> but get there at least on time. And then at that standpoint. And he kicked my butt all week anyway. Yeah. So it didn't matter when he showed. We grind from six to seven, but it's not just a like weight workout. We work over at Powerhouse, which is great. Uh, Kevin's done a great job of expanding that place For and sure. continually putting his heart into growing that. But if you look at it, we do core cardio. We sure we do some weights, but it's more about our health. So we don't sit here and do it to sit here and try to become uh, bodybuilders or weightlifters. We do it to sit here and take care of our body. And again, get rid of that stress. 
You uh, do like to build your biceps, though. Well, yeah, a little bit. You got to do that, <laughs> right? Got some fun. But, you know, like today, I mean, it was it was a tough workout. But it's funny. You, I literally left that gym today exhausted. Like, literally, I was spent. But I got more energy now than I ever would have if I didn't work out. So, it, yeah, you go through and it's tough. It's not easy. But when you get in there, I don't look at a workout as like, oh, man, I got to go work out. I, I love it. it. I when love I don't it. work out, I feel, I feel off. Like crap. I feel off. I'm like, I got to go do something. So for me, it's a way of life. And I know at the end of the day, I have to do those disciplines so I never get cancer again because I owe it to my kids, my wife, to balance the stress. As you know, you got tons of stress. But, but why, life is stressful. You know what's funny is I don't carry any stress. I mean, very, very seldom. The only things that, that start to fracture. I carry it for you. You carry it. Thank you. <laughs> the only thing that starts to fracture my stress a little bit is when, when there's things around me that that start to impede that trust sure that gives me stress uh, but really outside of that i really don't anymore i've given it all to god and i just know that i show up every day you know humble hungry and honest sure. and do the best that i can do which is you know a great place to be uh, but uh, don't get me wrong they're stressors right sure. but i'm the i'm the type of person like okay i need to buy that okay well let me get it under contract first then i'll figure out how to get the money and that's just how I've always lived, so it doesn't stress me. So there's two different people in life. There's the visionary people, right, which which worry less about the risk like you're talking about. They see the vision. They know where they're going. They'll figure out the details afterwards. And then there's obviously people that sweat the details. And sometimes you have a combination of the two. Uh, but it's all about who you're putting around your life. You, you've seen it when I have a stressful day. What do you do? You sit here and you make sure you take that stress off me. You put, give me a big hug. Right. Tell me how much you love me. You know Which that's is very seldom, but I can tell. You when can you, when you are. You know you get you know you look at you know my wife. I mean your wife. I mean my wife is my rock. I mean God oh, I gosh. know brought me brought me her because he knew I needed her to make sure he, I'm that stubborn sometimes to say Ryan <laughs> smack smack. She smacks him around on. a lot. And she looks. <laughs> I mean she looks petite and small, but she is feisty and tough, man. So God gave me that because I she. I needed it to balance it but friends like you no doubt. get me to chirp and that's what i'm saying about surrounding yourself with great people and work and in our life so the stress factor is i mean walking through your place right here you only moved in here like a week ago yeah look how much you've done but look at the uh, energy these guys everyone here they're hugging me they're excited to be here they're passionate that's why you don't have stress is because you got you already handpicked the people that you want in your circle and the ones you don't want in your circle probably aren't with you so that's how you have to do it in life and it's not easy no, You've had to make no. some tough decisions. I know we've talked about some of those. Yes. And every time you, you have to let go of an employee or, or to make some tough decisions, it's hard. I look at an employee, not just them. I look at their, their family. family. Well, that's when, that's when, you know, when, when Remax and I, and you know, it's not just Remax, it's the, that particular brokerage, which means a particular owner and manager. But when they gave me 48 hours, I just thought, you know, that they're leading, they're running their business by numbers. Mm -hmm. Because if you're running your business by your heart, you could never do that. Sure. Because it's not about me. If you've got a vendetta with me, fine. Yeah. But when you cut off, essentially, I mean, there's 28 people here, mm -hmm. their families, their kids, their horse, their dog. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people. But, that but are you also have to be real with yourself. You've had signs. You and I have talked about it oh, for yeah. two years. Oh, yeah. God's been giving you signs and saying, hey, you you are that heart. You are that passion. These people that work here, I think you have 25 or somewhere along those lines, they work because of you. They're passionate. They love working with you because you value them. You treat them that you're not above them. You're with them, and you want them. You genuinely want them to succeed in life. I and, really do. When you talked about that manager that you brought yeah. in and then seven years later, I'm the same way. You know, um, To me, if I, if I sit here and just line my 
my pockets with money, but I don't bring other people in, sure. then then I've wasted that opportunity. So to bring a guy like Jake, you know, who was who was waiting tables, making I don't know how much, but he's gonna make a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, year. Jake's gonna come work for me. I forgot to tell you that. Oh shoot, <laughs> Jake. Jake is pretty good, yeah. but he's not that. Oh, good. here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's what you're saying is true, and God gave you that blessing. For I sure. know, I know you don't like adversity. None of us do. I look at some adversity as it's a blessing because it teaches you. You learn that moment. You were worried before about breaking off your own. This, oh yeah, that. I was worried. Then I got fired, and I said, "Watch this." That's the key. <laughs> you, the worries went away, and you just did it because you you could have done it a long time ago. So that that's that's going to be a defining moment. You look back oh, twenty sure. years from now and say, "Why did I wait?" <laughs> but it took that person and whoever they were right. saying forty-eight hours. But or you, you know, probably would have came up with a reason to stay. Oh, for sure. Right? And, and people have said nature. to me for years, when are you going to go on your own? When are you going to go on your own? When are you going to go on your own? And I've always just said, when the time is right. And the funny thing is, it was when the time was wrong yes. when it really became the right time. It's that case. I just had a, 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 uh, some people that were not the right people leave me. And at that standpoint, it was a panic because this particular business is a very unique business inside yes, the dealership world. I remember talking about this at you the can't 6 find, Club. You can't find people that do this business. It, it's a subset of the dealership world. So I was panicked. Even though I knew the people I had were absolutely the wrong people, I was panicked because I didn't know. And my wife looked at me and said, it's a blessing. Yeah. You're going to realize that how much that God's going to pay you forward after this. But he just he needed to do it, not on your time, because I'm like, it's the wrong time. I, I don't want to do it right now. I just I don't have enough time to deal with this. He, it's, not, it's not up to us. We think we're in control. God's like, nope, you're dealing with this now. And I tell you, that the business is doing better than ever. Better than ever. With people I trust, that care, that trend, genuinely want to do it the right way. So again, it, it's never on our time, but it's it's what we got to well, do. Sometimes we need that push from God, right? Yeah. I mean, and that was that 48-hour push. So yeah. I, I got to ask you this. Or that push I give you in the morning, right? Oh, oh man, I, I barely moved when you shoved <laughs> me there. What is a thoroughbred? In your in your definition, what is a thoroughbred? Well, I'm looking at one, right? No. So when you look at that standpoint, for me, a thoroughbred is someone that's going to sit here and take all the excuses. I mean, I relate it to business and life and put up, push them aside. And they're going to sit here and be determined and passionate. No matter what stands in their way, they're going to figure out a way to get there. And they're also going to give themselves everything that's needed in regards to resource, education, um, training, whatever it may be genuine people in your life help people that will push you passionate people people that care to succeed and all of those things are mechanisms to do that so that's how i would relate thoroughbred um obviously in my definition inside obviously that awesome i love it i relate to a thoroughbred as i said just an elite business person and mm -hmm. as i mentioned before not defined by money defined by character and another thing you mm -hmm. said earlier which i always say so it was interesting to hear you Should say be that a, is, elite person not business person uh, an elite person true. it is well and i mean you know but isn't life a business almost? I mean, you've so got I said to, elite person. You got to be this way in life. In life in general. And, and it's so, but when you said you don't, because I, I say this all the time, I don't ever lead with ego. And that was mm -hmm. one of the reasons I think I was kind of reluctant to go independent because I didn't want it to be just about my name. Our name became the brand, but you know, it's, it's just kind of an odd thing. And then sure. I'm like, well, LaFontaine, mm -hmm. what's wrong with that? It's the same aspect. And I, I, I firmly believe this, that my team, my family members, I literally look at the 1300 people's family members and they value them that way. And I think because you do that, I do that. That's why they want to sit here and work yeah. all with us. Because it's not a... That's you why know, you can move can, a building in a day. Everyone can have in. a job. It's different to have a career. And it's, you know, you have to enjoy what you're doing. 
I love when you say that because that's what I always think about this team is I'm not here to try to give people a job. Yep. I'm here to give them a career. Yep. I'm not here to try to bring a realtor on to give them a job. Mm-hmm. I want them to have a very sustainable career, which is tough to find in real estate, right? And yep. and, and so that, that's, just, that's just our goal is to always create a career. And you've trained your eventual replacements. You're investing in them and they're investing in you and that's why it works. And I got to let go a little bit to let them you slide do. in right now. And you'll be more successful. For sure. And that's, you know, when you look at it, you, you've listed a lot of my properties. I've bought a lot of properties for me too. Uh, you know, some that I was like not planning on doing. But when I talk to you, the difference is it's genuine. And when I talk to your people, they'll do whatever the case may be. They'll come meet me whenever time because they know I'm crazy busy because they genuinely care. We just had a client buying in Brighton, yeah. and literally he texted me a couple of weeks ago, 5 p.m. Can you meet me at 5:30 to look at a house or someone on your team? And I was like, I don't know. I think I was almost in Charlevoix at the time. <laughs> and literally, I sent out a text. And boom, someone was there. And I actually, I ran into one of uh, the guys that works with him at the Vision Center. And he goes, man, Mike said you're a hammer. And I'm like, huh? He said, you're a hammer. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, he texted you at 5 o'clock and at 5.15 you had a guy there. I said, well, yeah, I'm a hammer. Yeah, that's how it works, man. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Ryan, thank you, brother, man. Love I love you, man. you. Love you, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it was awesome. I'm sure this won't be the only time because we could go for hours and hours and hours. Uh, But everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Check out LaFontaine Automotive Group, just a tremendous family business. uh, More uh, importantly, you can survive. That's what it's about is giving back, guys. For sure. You can survive. And if you'd like more details, um, shoot us, hit us up on the website. Check us out, thoroughbredpodcast.com. You can follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud and as well on YouTube. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for your time. Be a thoroughbred. Peace and hair grease.